comes down to authorities, lesser authorities, what's happening in our lives, um, what's happening in our governments and in our schools and work and submission and obedience. All of it makes sense when we realize that Jesus is really the ultimate and final authority um, and for us to make him that in our life. That's, when, that's where everything really becomes God's purpose, our reality. So Ephesians chapter 1 says this, verses 15. This is why, since I heard about your faith, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and, in what, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. I want to read in the message, it it gives just another great aspect to this. And I know it's a little little bit longer, but, but here's what it says. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you every time I prayed. I'd think of you and give thanks But I do more than think, I ask. Ask God, the Father, God of our Master, Jesus Christ, and the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Grasp grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him endless energy, boundless strength. And this energy issue from, issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of it all, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So I just want to kind of go through what we just read in light of the authorities and how, how it came to display. And I know the... the Camera folks and light, lighting folks are going to really be mad at me. So I'm, I'm going to... Uh, you don't want to get a text message or an email from the production team. I'm just going to be over here instead of back there. And I may come down. 
Um, so what we read is we, you and I, those who are his disciples and his followers, have been given authority for a few things, and I want to talk about that. Um, and Paul writes from the get-go, we have been given authority to pray. We have been given authority to pray. Paul says to pray, he was praying with thanksgiving. So it's not just bawling your eyes out on someone's behalf. It is being thankful for them. He's praying with consistency. Not just this one time when something shows up. There's a consistency in it. Uh, and then he also prays with confidence. So we have the power and authority to pray with thanksgiving, with consistency, and with confidence. God, God is all-powerful, and he is always all-powerful. There's never a moment where he's not powerful. His power does not shrink and it does not increase. That should hit us deep because we should be afraid of that. But yet, he's called us not to fear him. And he's invited us to call him Abba because we are his children. So it's approaching the throne. So we have the authority and the power to also pray for ourselves and for, other, and for others. We keep reading in Ephesians 17 that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. So when we pray for others, we could pray that people come to know Jesus more deeper and have a more intimate knowledge of God. And there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference between knowing more about Jesus and knowing him more deeply. This is the difference between reading the food menu and eating. Many of us have read the food menu and can dissect all the parasites that are in the ingredients because of how food is grown and this and that. And, and there are, there, you guys are crazy, some of you who know so much about food and, far and farming and re-ingredients. Good for you, but if you've never eaten the food, there's a huge, huge difference. Um, knowledge is about knowing. Wisdom is about applying. In other words, this is a prayer for us to practice, to live out what we believe, to have a faith that's active, and I'm going to read this other longer passage, and this is going to be the longest, I think, passage that I will read. Second Peter uh, ver chapter 1, verses 2, it says this, and it's going to be on the screen too. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining or required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us every great and precious promises so that through them, you and I may share in the divine nature, escaping 
the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things, it may be you, maybe sitting here, you may be watching. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. One more verse. For in this way, enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and God's Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. We are made in the image of God, and, and so that means that God is our source. He's our identity and and he has to be, become our source. A lot of times we, we acknowledge him with our lips, but we are far from him. Our actions are far from it. We used to say, oh, we believe God saved us. And what we just read in Second Peter is, is you have to add to your faith. Not meaning that faith is not enough. It, it, more than that, it's, it's actually meaning that there is going to be evidence that you believe. That it's not just a mysterious, mystical miracle that God changes you from this to that, that happens. But there's another aspect to it where, where your faith has to be flushed out. Are you with me? It has to be evident. It has to be seen. And the way that this happens is that, that we have to continually grow in our knowledge of him. There is one thing that's better than knowing God. One thing that's better than knowing God and that is to know him better. How many of us have stopped knowing God? We've reached a comfort level to where he hasn't called us to do something crazy like go to Ireland or something. <laughs> what if we can relaunch, re-spark our knowledge of him and continue to increase in who he is and what we know of him. Also, there's a prayer for people to have their spiritual understanding deepening. Verses, verse 18 we read in Ephesians, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened to be revealed, illuminate, to make known. Also, for people to know the three things that we read in Ephesians, to know what is the hope to which he has called you, which is certainty in the uncertain world. It's not wishful thinking. It's not pretend. There is a confidential knowing of what we are called for. That hope speaks of confidence in regards to our future. And it's confidence that God will be faithful to the promises that he has made. 
Second thing is that the riches of his glorious inheritance in us, those who believe, in his saints. He has deposited within his people the inheritance that is his. And his riches are unsearchable. His riches cannot be measured. His riches cannot be contained. And those riches are deposited into his people. And then the last part is what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. And this word immeasurable, it's um, a hooper balloon. And it is also used to describe his immeasurable his immeasurable power. It's also described when he talks about his immeasurable or surpassing glory, his surpassing or immeasurable grace, his immeasurable riches, his immeasurable love. All those things, and you can add to it, which we just read, is also his power is also immeasurable. And it is easy for us to talk about his glory being immeasurable and his love being immeasurable, right? His goodness being immeasurable. His grace being immeasurable, we get icky when we start talking about power. Makes us a little bit uncomfortable. But in just as much as his grace and his riches and his love, his power cannot be measured, nor surpassed, nor exaggerated. His power does not fluctuate. It is a constant. And so here we are. Being called to, being called to, to, and have been given authority to pray, have been given authority and power to pray for others and for ourselves in light of what we just read. And the third part of it, where I really want to kind of park, is the authority and power to be made no, to be made known, to be made visible, to be manifested in our life and through our life. Paul uses three very, very power kind of words in verse 19, where he says that these are in accordance with his working of his strength and of his might. It's hard to talk about Christ's power when it pertains to us stepping in and walking in that power. It is easy for us to say the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. The real question is, is this, is that same power manifested how it was manifested in resurrection of Jesus? Or is it doormat? If Jesus' power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, if it lives in me, then why do we live so powerless? Why do we rely on other sources of power? And like I said earlier, this makes some Christians uncomfortable. And that may be one of them. <laughs> um, and I understand why. I know that people abuse their authority, which is another thing that makes us uncomfortable. And people 
maybe pretend to have power, right? Or, or abuse their powers. Um, but I wonder if put that aside, if there's maybe something more to it that allows us to be uncomfortable when we're talking about the power of Jesus. Maybe in some cases it could be because of spiritual dullness in our lives. Maybe, maybe we do not realize the blinding and deadly power of sin that is being conquered in our lives continually. Um, maybe it has been nullified. Maybe we've nullified the magnitude of demonic power that is continually coming against us. Or maybe we have underwhelmed the power Jesus demonstrated by his positioning himself over all things. Maybe we've just underwhelmed that and don't see it for what it completely, completely is. And I love that Paul breaks this down to go into details about the power of God and why when we are saved and Jesus came to save us, he didn't just come to save us. He wants us to be, um, he wants to be king over our lives. But if you are going to be king, you have to have power. You have to be able to perform. You cannot just talk the talk. You have to demonstrate. And so Paul is saying, this is not just talk. This is not just philosophy. This is not just for the future Someday, one day, when we die. No, he goes in and, and begins to say that actually his power was and is continually seen. Then he gives us this example. The power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. Jesus has victory, or he's a victor, maybe say this, he's a victor over sin, he's a victor over sickness, he is the victor over death, and he is the victor over all powers of darkness. He's a victor. And resurrection, if you look at the resurrection, it's the thing of rising again. It's something that has been decaying or it's been disused. It's coming back into form. It's coming back into importance. It's revival. It's a resurgence. It's a, it's a rebirth. It's reversing a thing after it had, after it, whatever had needed to happen to it, happened to it. So when we, it's a clear picture of death to life. What, what, what Jesus is really saying here is that I've killed death. I've immobilized death. And yet, I touched on this a couple weeks ago, yet his people are living under the fear of death. And the Bible says that even at death, we should respond different than the world responds people are consumed by this fear. It's, it's over. And we have to understand that, that Jesus has broken death. 
He broke it. He shattered it. He disqualified it. He made it of no importance or implication to your and my life. He's conquered that. Everything else that we experience on earth is less than. So Jesus has taken over. The Bible says the last enemy, which is death, he put it under his feet. <laughs> it means that death no longer works for the Christian. You guys ever had a battery die in your car? Okay, have you ever had a uh, thing that you thought it was a battery, but it was an alternator? <laughs> die in your car? <laughs> Quit, it stops working. No longer performs its function. When Adam and Eve sinned, they released death through their disobedience. And God's like, yeah, I'm going to put death to death. It's theologically accurate, right? We, we believe it. But how come it's difficult to see that lived out in a lot of our lives? How come we live under the impression that Jesus' victory over death is theor uh, uh, theoretical more than actual? And I get it. We'll have days and, and, you know, and we fear, and I'm not saying that just dismiss death. Yes, death hurts. Trust me, death is horrible. We've, we've all experienced death in our lives at some level, some people's spouses, some people's friends. And the older you get, the more you will see this. Um, I mean, in, in my life, like even over the last three weeks, we had one funeral and, I mean, one wedding and two funerals. So it's not being dismissive that we actually die, but this is what was written to, you know, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I want you guys to catch this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest of those who have no hope. Remember he said, you guys have hope. If you don't understand your hope, then you will grieve like the ones who have no hope. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen, uh, fallen asleep in Christ. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, for that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall always be with the Lord. Verse 18, and this is an important one. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What is it doing? It is reminding us of God's promises. It's reminding us that he will be faithful that those who, are, who seem to have died are really not dead. They just transitioned, and we will see them. Not only that, but we will also see him, the one who is able to make this transaction happen. 
And then it continues. So it establishes there is power. And it's not just an amount. It is the ultimate amount of power. And then after this, we read in, in verse 20, Ephesians 1.20, And Jesus was seated with the Father on his right hand in heavenly places. So he not only rose from the dead and conquered death, then he's positioned and seated. It's, in a, it's a place of honor, acceptance, a place of authority. It's a place of authority. When you're seated in the right hand of something, it's talking about rulership. Jesus is seated on a throne. It's talking about his kingship. And he's saying that everything is under his feet. And this is where it gets beautiful. Everything means death. Everything means the power of darkness at any and every capacity. Everything also includes you and me. You and I are under Jesus' feet. It doesn't mean that he's just like, oh, under my feet. No, this is the picture of authority. This is a picture of submission. We are submitted unto Christ along with all powers, with all principalities, with all governings, with everyone who has a title. Everything is under Jesus' feet. And this is what's cool is that even though we are under his feet, even though we are submitted to him, he also says that you and I are also seated with him at the same time. That means we are ruling and reigning with Christ, not as Christ, but as children of the king and the ruler of the universe. Mutualness of submission and reigning. This is not a position that one day will be. This is a position that we are in right this very second. Our perspectives have to shift. We have to understand that we are not positioned here operating from this position. We are positioned there with him operating from that position. It's kind of like, you know, the thing that everybody loves, you know, uh, Zoom. You're positioned in one place, beamed into another place. So you only dress where it's visible. And when we are seated with him, Jesus becomes a, a head turn away with our ability to communicate and chat with him. He's not far ruling some universes where we have to try to usher him in. Can you come? Hold on. He's not here yet. We're waiting for him. We're waiting for him. And I get the verbiage of us waiting for him. We're not waiting for him to come. We're waiting for him to be manifested. He never leaves. He never leaves. His source never runs dry. His ability to comfort you never runs dry. His ability to counsel you 
never runs dry. His strength never runs out. Although we reign with him, the Bible says that he's not just slightly above all of it. He's far above all of it, including you and I. You and I are nowhere near where God is, where Jesus is. Nowhere near. And the guts that some people have that we and him are one so that we're the same. (laughs) Oh, God is laughing. He's far above us. Far beyond us. And the challenge for him was, to, was, was like, how do I talk to these people who are so uh, below me? So he said, Jesus, become like them. Suffer like they suffer. It is hard for us to, to live in this way and to walk in power and to walk in authority. And it becomes hard for us to do that if we don't know who our king is. Jesus, he gave authority to his disciples. His disciples are those people who were daily with Jesus. When Jesus was on earth, he had groups of people, those who came and left, and those who came and remained. The challenge for you and I is to be the people who show up and remain with him on a daily basis, and that is super hard. We're doing a lot of discipleship here, and one of the biggest things with discipleship is spending time with Jesus on a daily basis. It is so hard to get into this rhythm because we have so many things to do. There are so many things that we have to accomplish. So many things are, are on our agenda. And the simplicity of walking in power and authority is to be with Jesus because when you and I are with Jesus, then he shares his power and authority with us. Then we're able to discern his voice and follow and obey his voice because that is what faith is. Faith is a demonstration through our obedience. And we cannot obey someone that we cannot hear. We cannot obey the voice that we're still trying to discern, whether it's God, whether it's me. So we have to position ourselves. We have to begin to see that submitting our lives under the authority of Christ Jesus is the only way for us to walk out in power and authority because then we will be able to know his heart. We'll be able to know his way. We'll be able to, we'll just turn away from his guidance. We'll turn away from his his words into our life, into whatever situation that we, we find ourselves in. He wants to lead us. He wants to lead us. 
But this is not just theoretical. He wants to show and demonstrate his working power, not just in our lives, but through our lives. Not just in our lives, but through our lives. This is the only reason. This is why he sat down. He did what he's supposed to do and sat down and, you know, at the right hand of the Father. And then he, what does he do? Then he tells us, now you go work. You go work. What we have done is said, Jesus, you did everything. Let me sit down and you continue to work. We back up. We're like, I don't know, Jesus, you do it. You do it. Jesus is like, no, no, I've done my work. I'm sitting. I'm chillaxing. But I've authorized you and given you the power to do my work wherever you go. Knowing his power, knowing his authority is like reading the menu. Walking in it is like eating from the table. And once you've tasted all that God has for you, you never go back. Once you begin to see the ways that God moves in your life, how he connects these things, the God stories. Why do you think we have these God stories? It's to continually remind us and to stir us, to stir us so that we can begin to see and share how God is moving us in connected ways. It's not just a fluke that Donovan was in front of Joe. Not just a fluke. Like, I think that we underwhelm God's power in those situations. You're praying for something. God does it. And we're like, wow, something happened to where that did it. And God's like, dude, dog, what? I did this and now you're, you're, you're saying it's something else? God wants to demonstrate his power in your life. He wants, he longs to, he says, come, taste and see that I am good. Partake in it. Come close to it. Throw yourself completely into what I have for you. When we take communion, we are partaking in his work. Then verse 23, and this is his body. It talks about the church and this idea of making it possible for his people to be filled with his fullness. Imagine, imagine if everyone here was so full of the fullness of Jesus. And I'm not talking about, oh, what are you saying that he's not in me? He is in you, but no one else really knows. That's a problem. What if, what if What if you knew that you had Jesus' ear? What if you knew that Jesus is waiting on you and I 
he's done what he's supposed to do. What if we lived in the way that was completely submitted to this Jesus who has authority and power over all things? What if our world revolved around, around Jesus? What if every day we knew him more than the previous day? What if every day we pursued him more than we pursued him the day before? What if we became intentional about what we do in regards to who this Jesus is and how he leads our lives? What if we can actually say, Jesus is leading my life? We get really comfortable. We get really comfortable. And Jesus wants to interrupt our comfort. Jesus wants to pull us from the mundane. And he wants to show us things that literally will just floor you over and over and over again. How many times have we heard God stories where maybe you're listening, you're like, oh, that's not a big deal. And it's like, yes, because the little things that God continues to show up in, way, in ways, the things that he continues to do, the connection that he continues to make, all in light of what we read, that he has the power and authority over anything. He doesn't even have to interact with us. And yet he pays attention to us. Yet he wants us to engage with him. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants us to be positioned in a way where people are like, hey, why are you so different? Why aren't you losing your mind? Your circumstances should dictate that you should lose your mind right now, and you are not losing your mind. And also, you're not pretending. You're not faking. You're not hiding. You're truly at peace. You're truly drawing strength from, from someone other than your surroundings. Your true source is not where you are, but it's from a whole nother place, drawing the source of of. of, of of whatever it is that you really need. Like, like, man, God has no limit. God has no limit. Why aren't we testing his limits? Why aren't we testing his limits? He says, draw from me. This thing will never end. You, if you wanted to, if I wanted to, God won't even repeat himself in our life. That's how immense he is. That's how much there is to know of him. And yet, some of us, we've been living in with the same God for years. We're changing, and God is not. He stayed the same as when I gave my life to him. And so what we've done is we moved on. And God's like, I dare you. Go after me. See what I have. And when we worship here, this is one of the things we're wanting to do. We're wanting to get in the presence of Jesus. So this is not just like about like songs that we sing. We sing not because we just want to feel good. We want to get our energy up and shout and be like, all right, life sucks, but I'm just going to do this thing with y'all. No. We're realizing that this God of the universe pays attention to us. That he's instilled the best gift possible, and that is his spirit in us and he did not take us through training to know all that it means he just says hey it's in you whenever you're ready whenever you're ready 
we can unpack this gift that I've given you. And so we see glimpses of God when God heals the sick. We see glimpses of God when God delivers people. We see glimpses of God when he saves people. We see glimpses of God when he shows up and you can't stand, when you're overwhelmed by his presence, when your tears are falling. Those moments where you're like, you don't want to be anywhere else. So he continues to tease us, come to me, eat of me, taste of me. I'm going to have the band come up as we wrap up. Our authority and our power has everything to do with our relationship with God. It has everything to do with how we know God. He knows us well, and he's inviting us to a regular, daily interaction with him. Not transactional, not contractual, but relational. Relational. He's so brilliant is that, is that his power has been working within you and you don't even know it. He's been working on your behalf and it has not even been revealed to you. As he's waiting for you to work, he's been working on your behalf. And it's just so amazing how things in life get us all excited. Political rallies, political parties, raises at work, games won by our football team. We get so excited about such things that are in light of everything that I'm talking about here are just not even a glimpse of the joy and the excitement that we will have when we begin to truly submit and surrender to King Jesus and allowing Him and His guidance and direction to be the thing that we follow and align our lives with. When we align our life with Him, we will see His power and authority demonstrated in our lives. And that is going to build faith for His power to work through our lives. And so I want to challenge each and every person here this morning. It is really, really, really easy to play church. It is really, really easy to be double-minded. It is really easy to go after things that fade away. And I want to challenge you shift our pers- to shift our perspective. I just, and I want to do this like, 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 like actually, like close everyone, just close your eyes for a second. You have King Jesus who is over all, who has all authority, who has all power. 
the most important person in the world has your attention. He's inviting you to sit next to him. Just envision Jesus. That's how close he is. He's not a force, he's not a power of some sort that you have to do backflips. No, he has your attention. You have his attention. What is he telling you right now? Go ahead, ask him. Say, just Jesus. You have my attention. Some of us is going to be conviction. You've lost control of your life. You're living in sin. You're pursuing other things than the things. You're comfortable. Just say, Jesus, tell me. Ask him a question. Ask him what's on your heart. Share with him what's on your heart, your frustrations. We're seated with him. He's just a turn away.